Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I'm so excited to be back with you here on this episode. On this episode, I want to talk to you about something that's pretty difficult to deal with as far as if you're dealing with it, but it's something that I believe is very needed to talk about in the kingdom of God. And that topic is basically how to help someone overcome the lifestyle that really is just being avoidant of responsibility. Another way to say it would be how to help someone overcome being a responsibility avoidant. And this is a wonderful topic because I believe that in our world today, it basically helps if we're not careful, we can actually help breed this avoidance, this responsibility avoidance. And this really, a lot of this topic is discussed in Dr. Reiner's book is called Transformation. You can find that there on Amazon, Dr. Troy Reiner, R-E-I-N-E-R. And it was kind of one of the uh, six basic codependent types uh, that, that he discusses in his book, and it's called a codependent responsibility avoidant. And I'm very careful to use that word. You've probably never heard me use the word codependent. And let me explain why. Because I think if we're not careful and we use it too much, uh, first of all, any word you use too much you, it loses meaning. But also, I'm afraid sometimes it pigeonholes people. You know, we are a complicated people. You know, we're a three-part being. God designed us. We're not just as simple as do this, this plus this equals this. Sometimes we use that word, and I think that it it says, okay, some people are and some people aren't. Well, let me say this. I believe that all people have some codependent traits. So I don't think using that word means there's some that are codependent, some aren't. There are just, that's a word to use of a dependency on something other than God to where you can be happy or have your needs met. So maybe you have a daughter, maybe you have a son, maybe you have a mom, a dad, a cousin, an uncle that just doesn't seem to take responsibility for their actions. I've seen it as far as that literally a person will not get out and work. A person will not even leave the house. They're based basically happy with a hut or a tent. All they want to do is sleep and eat a little bit and they are happy. There's really no motivation. There's really no, uh, you know, sense of responsibility. And, and the Bible type for this comes out of the book of Jonah. And you remember Jonah in Jonah, Jonah had a word from the Lord and he was told the Lord told him, he said, Jonah, go and preach in a city of Nineveh and, you know, preach against the wickedness before me. So he had a charge to do. God had asked him to do something. So, he, you know, there was, he, it's not like Jonah was just here and existed and he didn't know what he was supposed to do. God had called him to a specific purpose. And that's important. God has called us to a specific purpose. God wants us to do something. We can't just do nothing. I love what I used to hear Hank Hanegraaff always say, the Bible answer, man. He always said, God has called us to be selfless producers, not selfish consumers. And that is so good, and that speaks directly to the heart of God for the people in the Christian life. We cannot be selfish consumers. So this mentality is a problem that we have to help break this. So how do we do it? How do we, if we have someone we're dealing with, if you're that person, maybe, that you're having problems taking responsibility, dealing with life, dealing with day-to-day -day stuff, you know, if it's you or if it's someone in your family, how do we overcome this? Well, first of all, know this, this problem is almost always normally 
a fear of failure. And, you know, it, in dysfunctional families and, and upbringings, it was easy in these families to really feel like a failure. The child could never do anything right. You know, no matter what they did, good or wrong, someone was mad or someone was unhappy. Or it was always their fault. So finally, this person just gave up, threw their hands in the air and said, I can't please anyone anyway, so why try? You know, it's the kid that in gym class, you know, everybody else starts playing and he says, you know, I just don't want to play. I don't want to do it. You know, I'm just going to sit down. You know, it's more, it's better and more comfortable to sit down and do nothing than it is to do anything that may cause me to fail. This is one of the most difficult things to help people through. This isn't easy. I mean, I would just about rather be dealing with somebody that has any other characteristic flaw, if you will, or any other struggle in their life than someone that's a responsibility avoidant. Why? Because I've just dealt with so many people like this and have had so limited success. I'm sorry. I don't mean to discourage you, and I don't want to make you think it's not possible, but I've had less success with this type than most others, but I have seen success. You know, one of the things that's important on this aspect is... Don't ever forget that it takes a front of people. It takes people connected together. There's no sense in acting like this problem doesn't exist in your family. There's no sense in acting like this doesn't exist in your church. If you see someone that won't take responsibility and they wait for someone else to take responsibility, then you need to help them. You know, God told Jonah, hey, you got a mission. You got something to do. God's calling us to do a mission. You know, we may not know what that is. I know people been in the church a long time that don't know what the calling is, but the point is he's calling us to do something. So we got to we got to come against this fear of failure and we got to tell him, you know, this just isn't true. You know, with God all things are possible, the Bible says. You know, we must take get the person or us, if it's us, we must take responsibility for your own life and refuse to make other people do for us what we can do for ourselves. When I'm helping someone that's a responsibility avoidant, you know, I I always try to put the ball in their court. That's real important. Put the ball in their court. Quit trying to do it. Remember what Jonah's problem was? This, I mean, the sea was up. The sailors were freaking. They had thrown all their supplies overboard. They had done everything they could do. Jonah, where was Jonah? Jonah was down in the bottom of the ship sleeping. He wasn't concerned at all. I mean, they're bailing water. They're freaking out. They're running around a ship going and he's down and they had to go wake him up and say, Hey, Hey, you know, what's going on here? I mean, he wasn't concerned at all. They were taking care of all the problem. They were taking care of, you know, everything that needed to happen. Them sailors had taken everything and these were paganistic sailors. These weren't Christian people. These weren't followers of Jehovah God. These were people that were just paganistic and they were working their tails off trying to save the ship. That's a picture of what we can be if we try to help someone that won't help themselves. We can run around. They had thrown all of their stuff into the sea, all their cargo, all their food. I mean, they needed that stuff. And we, if we're not careful, Jonah, the person we're trying to help will be in the bottom of the ship. We'll be spending our money. We'll be spending our resource. We'll be spending our time, time and time again. You have to have a unified front. I remember one of the first responsibility avoidance that came that I dealt with and I was trying to help. And one thing that a person like this always tries to do is if they can't get someone to do something for themselves, then they'll try to get someone to punish the people that have wronged them in their past. And we always had to have, you know, it's not that we, uh, it's not that we sit around and gossip and talk about it, but you get people that are key in their life. I was one of the people that were key in their life. They had a person that was helping them. There was a sponsor, if you will, that was trying to help them. They had a person that was like a life coach or a, 
a friend in their life, if you will, that tried to challenge them. And, you know, we were kind of talking one day, you know, how to help this person. And I'd always tell them, quit running and doing everything for them. That's why I was coaching them. I was trying to help this person. It was, you know, so it takes a city to raise a child. And this person was stuck in that place. But lo and behold, it would be a call at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and something would happen. And they would, and then the person trying to help them would be like, oh, we need to do this. We need to do that. I, my response normally is this. No, we don't need to do nothing. If their abuser, if their accuser, if someone that's hurt them has really hurt them, then they need to take the steps necessary. They need to, I'll be support for them if they want to do it. Hey, if they've been abused or in this case, maybe their children were even abused. If they were, then they need to be the ones to take that responsibility. Why? Because if, if the person that's a responsibility avoidant can get you to do for them what they won't do for themselves, if it's, if it's not true, or if it's false, they'll just turn and say, well, I, I don't, I, you know, I just thought maybe it could have been. I mean, they need to exhaust that out. If someone has wronged them, and by the way, if someone is wronging them, they need to be, you need to coach them, pump them up, get them to get help against that situation. Not, not, but see, that's not usually the case. Usually the case is they have a mentality that says everyone's against me. The world's not safe and I'm a failure. So I'm afraid I'm not going to do anything. And we'll be bailing water. We'll be throwing our food overboard. We'll be taking the resource that God's given us. We could be helping someone else with that really wants help and throwing them into the sea and it'll never be enough. And the truth is what they need to do is turn to God and repent of what their behavior is. And I know that word to some people's old fashioned, but I still believe in it. You know, the person that is works a hundred hours a week and never sees his family, he probably needs to repent a little bit. Wouldn't you say he needs to at least give his family some time. And I know people work different jobs and different things, but there are intentional things a person has to do if he works long hours to stay connected to his family. And if he doesn't think he needs to, he needs to repent of that at least in the same way with the person that responsibility avoided, they may be the they may exist, but they're not any good to anybody. Matter of fact, they're harm to the people around them. You know, it's hard seeing people in your family go through stuff like this. I've experienced it, and it seems like no matter how bad the storm, they won't do anything. And then finally, Jonah turns to the soldiers, and he says to the soldiers, he says, hey, you know, throw me overboard. I'm the problem. You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but throw me overboard. He says, you know, there's, there's nothing you can do. And think about that. He could have just jumped off the boat. He didn't have to have someone throw him overboard, but the responsibility avoidant will always try to get you to even do the work. Hey, hey, just go to the edge and lay your, if you really want to go into the sea, Jonah, go to the edge, lay your belly over it and flop into the water. I mean, that's, that's how I see he could have done it, but no, he's like, I don't even want to jump in the water myself. So throw me overboard. And finally they contemplated, he could have, you know, Jonah could have said, Hey, let's just turn the boat around. I'm going to go do what God told me to do. No. Not Jonah. So they grab him. Finally, they, they're, they're scared for their life. Finally, they throw him overboard. And I tell the person this, when Jonah's standing at the edge and he's woken up and you've realized you're wasting your resources and your time, be very careful not to throw him overboard. You know, if he's going to jump, let him jump. And that sounds so harsh and so horrible. But God, think about it this way. God is not going to swoop down from heaven on his spiritual wings and come down, pay their light bill, pay their rent take care of life, 
pay their car insurance, whatever, you know, put food in their refrigerator. God's not going to do that because God is a God of boundaries. God expects people to do. God will never do for you what you can do for yourself. And that's what I tell someone. I say, I've heard people say, well, I'd really like to have a job. Well, how many of you applied for this week? If you haven't applied for two or three jobs a day, don't tell me you're trying to get a job. Now, the town I live in is a small town. But at the same time, you can at least apply for three or four jobs a day. And if you're not, then you're really not trying. And then how many phone call follow-ups do you have behind that? But most generally, it's always a reason why this can't happen. And I know people are unemployed. I know it's an epidemic in this country. It's hard to do. When you're dealing with responsibility avoiding, it won't be one problem, but everything will be a problem. It's almost like hopeless. And we have to remember when we're helping someone. This world is not hopeless. And when we turn to God and we repent, and we trust God, God will do it. I've seen people that were responsibility avoidance when they finally turn to God and pray and cry out. See, that's what Jonah finally did. The Bible says that he cried out from the belly of the whale in Jonah chapter two. Here's what he said. He says, I, my distress, I called upon the Lord and he answered me. See, he finally did from inside the fish, the first verse of chapter two, inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. He said, in my distress, I called unto the Lord and he answered me. You see, why wouldn't he call from the Lord from the top of the ship? I don't know why, but thank the Lord when Jonah, that was assisted suicide. They threw him in. They thought he would die. He thought he'd die. There's no way he was going to make it. Hey, in those days, they were scared of the water. It wasn't like now. They didn't know. They had a fear of the water. But you know what? By the grace of God, he sent along a great fish. I mean, that's a, that's a strange saying. The grace of God sent a great fish to swallow him up. But he did. And he said, in that fish, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for your help. And you listen to my cry. They've got to cry out to the Lord. They've got to get past this somber, I'm just a victim. You know, there's nothing I can do. And they got to cry out to the Lord. Why not? They're not doing much else many times. Cry out to the Lord. And he says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me, all your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. You see what he's doing? He's repenting. He's turning. He said, I was looking away, but now I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me and deep surrounded me. Seaweed has wrapped around my head. The roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me and forever, but you brought my life up from the pit. Oh, my Lord God, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you and prayed, and my prayer rose to you to the holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I wish, you see, he's repenting. He's saying, I, I clung to those worthless idols and my fear of going to deal with those Ninevites, those horrible, hedonistic people. I knew what they were like, and I didn't want to do it, God. You were calling me to something that was too hard. But he said, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. You hear his repentance? He's turned it on a dime, but it wasn't until the seaweed wrapped around his head. It wasn't until he was in the low pits of life that he finally turned. See, our fear is with someone like this, and I've been there, friends. This isn't easy, but someone that is in this state, God forbid if they take their own life. God forbid if something I let something horrible happen, put the ball in their court to the place to where I will help you, but I have to see you doing something. I've told people this, 
I, when I see that they're avoiding responsibility and not always do I do this, but in the situation that I recognize what's going on and I know enough about the situation, I say, I can't help you, but if you'll come to church, we'll see what we can do. Let's talk then. I don't want to, I'm not going to drive over to their house every day and help them. They can come to church. If you can't come to church and sit through an hour, I don't even care if you like church. I didn't say you had to like it. That's what I say. If you can't even come to church, that's showing where your heart is. And if they can't come to church and sit in the air conditioning for an hour, then I'm not going to try to help them solve their problem. Many times, that's why I meet with people at the church. You know, if they can make an effort, I don't care if they walk. You know, I don't care how they get there, if they get a ride, but they need to show some effort. Get them out of the house. Get them to doing something. And then I'll help them all I can. I may not be the one that can directly help them, but I'll connect them with someone that can help them that is a life coach, so to say, uh, you know, a disciple, a discipler of some way. We have a lot of resources in our churches. We do that with people, but I put the ball in their court and then I say, okay, how do you think, you know, make practical steps. What do you think about this? Say it's a job thing. You know, do you think you can put in two applications a day? Well, sure. Well, I believe you can too. Now do it, you know, and let them do something and then follow up with them. But many times the problem is, is if they won't do anything, then you just need to go to the heart of the matter. If you have the platform that you can help them say, you know, you just need to turn to God. And this is a lifestyle. You know, be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever man sows that may also reap and use the word with them. You know, not against them, but with them and say, hey, I don't make the rules here. But God says, be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever man sows that may also reap. You can't keep sowing nothing and expect something. You know, this Christian life is work. Jesus had to do work to get to the cross. And you know, I'm not just talking about physical work, but I'm talking about spiritual work. Some people are depressed because they're selfish consumers. They don't produce anything. God's not made us in a way to where we can just consume and be happy. Uh, we need to produce but you know, you got you got to get them to quit blaming others. And if this is you, friend, you got to quit blaming other people and trust God. It's not everybody else's fault you're in the situation you are. Most of your life has been made up of little choices, wrong or right. It's most of our life is our fault. We must realize that our attempts to manipulate others to meet their needs will not work. And that's why I say it takes several people unified in a family or in a church. You got to get people to tell them, "Hey, we're not going to do all this for you. You're going to have to do stuff yourself." And just be real with them. Now, I don't think we have that platform when we first meet someone and they come into our life, but I'm saying if we're involved in their life, which we should be, you know, in their family or people in the church, if, if you know them, if they're in your circle, you know, hey, get sit down with them. That's what Job's friends did with him in the grief. They sat down and they talked with him, sit down with these people, go to their house. It's so easy to tell someone what to do when you're not sitting with them, but sit down with them, talk with them, share with them invest in them. And if you invest in the people, then you'll have a platform of influence. And that's another key. You know, a lot of times you can throw Joan overboard. That's easier than sitting down with them and giving them time in their life, being able to help them, being able to maybe do a Bible study with them, maybe give them some resources that they can read and say, hey, bring that back to me and let me know what you think about that scripture, about that book. You know, there's just so many areas we can be helpful. If we're in this shape, if we're a responsibility avoidant or they are, we need them to know 
know that God is on their side. You know, if God is for me, who can be against me? The past hurts, the past pain, the fear of rejection, God is able to do in me what I will not and cannot do myself if I will show the effort. And they must do what God wants. You cannot continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid. Romans tells us that. But we see people that continue in sin. But here's what I tell people. I tell, I tell drug addicts this. If you want to hit the brick wall, brother, if you want to hit the brick wall, sister, go ahead and hit the brick wall. I love you, but I I want you to come to the end of yourself. And God says he will not swoop down on his spiritual wings and come down on earth and make all these choices for you. The life is full of choices and you're going to have to choose. And I say this, how well has it been working for you so far? Well, I got a bloody nose. My head split open. I got stitches. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a horrible position. Well, what do you think you're going to keep getting? And those things may sound mean, but they're not mean. There's truth. I mean, God's boundaries, this you serve, choose me this day whom you will serve blessing or cursing. And that's a pretty serious boundary. He allows us to be cursed. He allows us to go to a devil's hell. That's the reality. We have to wake up as Christian people and say, we're not being mean when we tell people the truth. Sure, be connected through relationships. Sure, tell them you love them. Don't just tell them. Show them you love them. Help them do things. But in the end of the game, you have to tell them, I'm more concerned about your soul salvation than I am your bloody nose or your split head from running into the wall, and I'm going to let God deal with you. It'd be better off to sit and pray for someone than, than pray for their spiritual awakening than it would to be taking care of their life and doing things for them all the time. I believe we'd be much more effective if we learned that, friends. But I do believe this responsibility of one at this Jonah can finally see it. What Jonah do? Jonah went back, finally went back to Nineveh. He went back to the city. God had told him to preach. He went into the city. He preached. And we see we see Jonah struggling with his emotions here. You remember Jonah sat there on top of the hill. He preached to him, and he sat there, and he waited. You know, he said his word. He said what he's supposed to do, and he was ready for God to come down and destroy him. I believe with all my heart that's what Jonah wanted. But then the Bible says that a gourd grew up and grew over him and gave him shade. And so he was happy. And then the Bible says that he sent a worm at eight, and the gourd died. And then he was mad, and he's started getting upset again. See, that was just a picture of how we are when we're comfortable and not comfortable. When we're comfortable, when he was in the shade, God was blessing. He had done his part. He was resting. But then he's sitting out in the hot sun. He's upset at God. You see, God was just showing him his heart through all of this, through all this whole thing. In any dependency we have that's away from God, God wants us to see our heart. And if we're emotional and upset and mad when things don't go our way, God's just using that to reflect our heart. Why would God do that though? Why? Because he is more concerned about our spiritual being than our physical comforts. That's the God that I serve. And many times when I've been the most comfortable, I've been the least in prayer. I've been, I've really dug, haven't dug as deep, but when I'm going through some stuff, man, I'm digging deep. I'm getting into the word. I'm asking God, but God help us that we can't turn eventually into people that have maturity to where we dig into the things of God when things are good. And we dig into the things of God when things are bad. And by the way, if the devil's attacking us many times in this idea, this responsibility avoidant, they'll think the devil's always attacking them. And then you kind of move on to victim mentality when it becomes a way of life. But it's like the devil's always attacking. I tell people many times, if the devil's attacking you, and he's attacking you, what do you think would happen? If it is the devil, not saying it is or isn't, but if it is the devil, 
and or his demons that are attacking you, what do you think is going to happen is every time you feel attacked, you turn to the word of God, you turn to prayer, you turn to church, you get into Bible study, you buckle down and serve God even more. Do you think the devil's just going to keep attacking you? No. But if you dig in and you really hit your knees in prayer, then the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. It doesn't say just let him attack and beat you up. Resist him. Pray against him. Hit your knees. Turn to your God and see God do great things. But you know, friends, I know this was an easy topic, but I want to encourage you not to give up hope on people. Just learn. Put the ball in their court. Tell them the word of God. Use the word of God. Ask them if they want a better life. Most people generally do, but they do need someone to believe in them. I'm going to close with that. Maybe you'd be that one that believe in that one person. Maybe you, maybe another, maybe a friend of yours would see someone that's struggling and spend some time. Maybe spend a Bible study and, and go through some of this, the book of Jonah with them. Maybe you could help teach them because everyone needs somebody. That's what God's created to do. Reach out to others. No matter if it's tough, no matter if it's easy, God's called us to help others and friends. I hope this word's been good to you. Until next time, God bless.